Oh, hi, my name is Chanel. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley. Welcome to Soothing Her, the podcast, a transformative journey through the art of healing. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be tackling the many facets of healing, the power of resilience, sharing personal stories, and welcoming expert insights. Truly, this is Soothing Her, the podcast. This is Soothing Her. Hello, Soothing Her community. Welcome to another episode this week. I am your co-host, Ashley Orgiaco, and I'm here with my girl, Chanel. Hello, good day, Soothing Her community. This is your co-host on the Soothing Her podcast, Chanel Dubique. So we are coming together, y'all, for another amazing episode. This week, we have a lovely guest again. This is going to be our second <laughs> this is our second guest on our podcast. He is Stanford Dixon, and he is a lovely individual. He is going to be coming on our podcast today as we talk about love, activism, and healing, specifically uplifting our Black kings and queens. And this week, we just wanted to highlight one of our favorite Black kings. He currently lives in California, and he is a wonderful man of God. And we're just so excited for him to come on here and share his insights. Another amazing thing about him is that he is also very heavily involved in MMA fighting. So don't mess with him, is what we're saying. <laughs> he will come for you <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. Um, but welcome, Stanford. <laughs> Everyone, that was a beautiful introduction, Ashley. <laughs> it was. Welcome. Welcome. I am Welcome. very flattered. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ashley and Chanel. And thank you guys for having me. I'm actually really excited to join your podcast. I have been listening to the podcast and I love how relatable it is, even though it's called Soothing Her. I think there are a lot of points that are gone over that can actually help a lot of men as well. Absolutely. And when we did decide on the name, we were back and forth. And I hope that our men who listen don't just think that her just means female it's not entirely feministic or just focused on that gender the soothing her means healing enduring and restoring so across genders you know we want all men and all women to feel equally supported and heard so great note stanford <laughs> thank you <laughs> so just a little bit of an outline today everyone what we're going to be talking about as i mentioned today's episode is titled love activism healing and uplifting our black kings and queens so we're going to be talking about love as a catalyst for activism sharing our how personal love stories can be seen as a powerful catalyst for individual activism and of course highlighting our most important activists since it is also black history month um, we're also going to be talking about transformative love and community building, specifically how love can fuel community building and it role and the role it plays in forming, you know, better relationships between men and women. You know, we really want to highlight that in today's episode and really get into how we can continue to uplift ourselves and further push together and bridge together um, the current relationships right now going on between men and women and coming together in in love, you know and also how we can build a better future rooted in love. So let's get into it. <laughs> that sounds like a very heavy episode. So stay with us. It's going to be all love and activism. Yes. So uh, what does that mean to you, you know, Chanel and, and Stanford? Or actually, we can have our lovely guests go first. Like when you say like love as a catalyst for activism, like what, you know, comes to your mind? What? you know, ideas are stirring as it is Black History Month. You know, what are your thoughts? Honestly, I feel like the title Love as a Catalyst is kind of, um, it's kind of ironic or not, not necessarily ironic, but it's kind of more so just right on the nose because love indeed is a catalyst to change everything. I feel like, in the, especially in the world that we live in today, when I think about love as a catalyst for activism, Love in itself is a form of activism simply because we live we live in a world of division. We live in a world of comparison. We live in a world where basically people are never necessarily satisfied for the things that they do because there's always other people who are trying to outdo them or in some form or some way in competition and just saying, hey, I love you or I love what you're doing or I love this for you 
kind of shuts that entire thing down in general, you know? It's the ultimate form of, in my opinion, it's like, it's like the best weapon <laughs> against everything that happens in the world today, you know? So honestly, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. Like love is like the best way to be an activist because love changes everything for the better. You know, love can bring enemies to brothers, you know what I'm saying? Or sisters, you know, and it can, it can change entire households. Have you, you guys ever been into a household that was just void of love? Like Oh, yeah. very depressing, <laughs> like, but the moment one person in a household starts to love one the other, like, for example, the moment you see a man loving on the woman as his wife, that changes the way the children outlook in the household. 100%. Absolutely. And then, of course, their long-term view of love and the expectations of love in their own lives. Isn't that the fundamental part of activism? It starts in the home. It starts within our hearts. It starts within ourselves. And for me, it is the purpose that you feel within yourself that you want to portray and you want to share with the world, that passion that you feel that really keeps you up and gets you excited about the next steps of life, how you can contribute profoundly and in the realest way to your home, to your friends, to your community. And that is, for me, personal love being transferred to activism. Like you all just hit, <laughs> I mean, y'all just like hit it on the head. I'm over here like, mm, like just stopping my fears <laughs> to everything. <laughs> no, but it is true. You know, I think that when you just lead in love, you know, there's just so many, like what, what other better things can come from that? When you are out here and you are working and you are fighting for your community because of the love that you have for them, the, the genuine care that you have for everybody and as you mentioned Chanel like the purpose for for why be, for the the like your your why and your reason for for doing so it's like everyone can just kind of see that from you and it really does bring everyone together i know as you mentioned when you have a household that is that there is no love you know it really does shape how you develop it really shapes how you see the world and how you treat other people and it, it can have like a negative impact on on generations to come too because if you're out here not leading in love if you're out here just having a i wouldn't say complete like selfish mentality or just um you know everything is about me or just not really having any genuine care for how your actions kind of affect the world around you you know it, it's it's like you're continuing to pass on that same behavior, those same idealism, ideals, that same, you know, thought process, and that continues for so long. And then um, it, it does, and then always takes that one person that's like, I'm going to change this or, or break that, you know, generational cycle. And that's when you see the change happening. That's when you see communities coming together. That's when you see a, an abundance. Yeah, everything. Barriers being broken. Yeah. Change is happening. Yes. Touching on all of this combined, that is what drove so many of the movements years ago and is still driving some of the smaller ones we see here nowadays, is that love that started for family, that started for community. We look at the leading leaders like Marcos Gavi, Bob Marley. We look at Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. These were all men who started from the grassroots of their homes and wanted to ensure that there was a change that a larger population could enjoy by any means necessary. And, and that vision for a more just world from actions that they could encourage others to take on their own and letting them know that there is an ill in our society. And I see that and I stand with you. Will you also stand with me? And that love is what allows each and every one of us to stand with each other when we see something is wrong and something is broken that we want to fix. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing to hold hands with somebody else and effect a change that way. I feel that that is so different nowadays than, the, than those historical times. Yeah, you know, actually, um, I actually looked back to research some things that was going on in, in America. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you go to any <laughs> public library, um, guess what book is still available in every library? I wish I knew. Jim Crow book. Is it? Oh, Lord. 
Absolutely. Okay. And uh, I'm not saying I read the full thing, but I read a little bit of it mm -hmm. because this man was, um, his heart was 100% in the wrong place, but he was an evil genius. And there's a point to this, I promise. So I was reading <laughs> some of the book and he basically found a way to systematically break down to make sure black men and women didn't see themselves as human. <laughs> That way they would allow being treated a certain way. And it started with the men. Mm -hmm. They would take men and degrade them so that the women wouldn't look to their men for protection, basically break down the household. So now there's no love in the household. And now they have children with no fathers to look up to. And all of them, basically, it trickles down point by point by point by point. And I say that to say this. When we as a community started to build that back up, if you notice, it started the same way it ended in a household. Yes. You take a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, and you watch that husband love on that wife and that wife love on that husband. And then they have children and that children is born into a home of love. You have brothers and you have sisters that will fight for their sisters and sisters that respect and know that their brothers will protect them. And that all started from love. Almost everything that happened in our Black community after slavery was born out of love. It wasn't born out of hate. Like the Black Panthers were born out of love. They were helping communities. They were feeding people. Believe it or not, two of the no most notorious gangs in this world were born out of love. Bloods were born out of love. Crips is an acronym for Community Resistance and Progress. <laughs> to fight off the police whenever they would come into black communities. All of this stuff, mm -hmm. though it's been flipped and changed and skewered a, a tad bit, all of these things were born out of love and it all started, in my opinion, from a loving household. Like I can't necessarily go back and say, oh, this person grew up on the street and this mm -hmm. household was great, but I can tell you he had a father to look up to yeah. and he had a mother that he respected mm -hmm. and he saw other people that looked like his father and his mother and he knew he would respect them and fight for them as well. So I feel like, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's like, if you really look at the way America, in my opinion, just because I am African-American, if you look at the way America has separated people and you kind of just flip it upside down, you have the entire formula of how things are actually supposed to go. <laughs>
encourage everyone to just really like reflect on all of the things that have happened just throughout in our history and just wondering like what part can I play in bringing our community together? What part can I play in building back our community and making sure that there is that love there? And, you know, when it comes to like transformative love and how it can fuel that community building, I think that that if you take that first step, I think that is really what it looks like. If you just take just get away from like everything that's going on within our society and everything and just take a look like how can I uplift my black king and vice versa as a black king like how can I uplift my my black queen that's all the things that I think about yeah small but minute small but mighty because we have to have some sort of love established for ourselves and for the people around us for us to be able to advocate for greater cause to stand on a stage where we're going to rally more people to follow us because they will need to know that who they are giving their voice and support to really mean what they say and have the best interests at heart. If we're able to show and have others see that, that is just so instrumental to just break down those barriers and have the next generation see what the strength of our love is so capable of. But it has to start in our homes, it has to start in our community, it has to start in our schools because not everybody comes from a home where there is a mom and dad you know what if that doesn't exist there has to be some sort of program or there has to be someone who is able to volunteer their own heart and their own time and their own love to let somebody who might not have a mom or a dad at home to show them that love like like you belong facts i agree you know and speaking from my own personal um experience one thing i learned just that how i looked at myself is i realized the love i have for other black kings and queens started with the love for myself can you touch on that like how did you i feel like that's so not talked about a lot like how you know as a black king stanford like how did you come to self to love yourself all right well look just want to let you know you just add you asked a loaded question just just want to let you know and i'm, and I'm in all right um. i just want us black kings to know like you you, you like we love you but you know, we want you to, you know, learn how to love yourself. And there's not that many platforms that are teaching how to, how Black kings can start to love themselves, you know. Yeah. At all. Especially considered, like, we're all 90s babies here. Like, mm -hmm. considering what we used to grow up watching, there's very scarce things on television that teaches Black people how to love themselves. That represents that. The time you ever saw Black people coming together was on 106 in Park. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Black crowd there, <laughs> you know what I mean? But what did they represent, though? It was music right it's like you know it's it's not anything that was love and intellectual and breaking down stigmas it was okay they are capable of that they are artistic they are creative but how did that really represent everybody don't want it to be an artist instead of like an engineer or a lawyer or this or that because we want to do what we see no that was facts that was yeah. that's right no so for me um if i'm being completely honest with you my journey of self-love i want to say started Maybe when I was in high school, um, I genuinely could not stand high school, not because of a way that I was treated, but just because I could not stand not knowing who I was. And here in America, the way high school is designed is designed so that one day you have to raise your hand to go use the bathroom. And the next day you have to have an entire plan for your life, <laughs> which I don't think is fair for a 15 to 18 year old, someone who hasn't really experienced life yet. So uh, upon graduating high school, like I started to get closer with my relationship with Christ and I really started to just feel like and wonder who I am all the way down to the T. Like I'm talking like, how do I put my shoes on in the morning? How do I put my pants on? How do I like to dress? How do I like to do this? Because all I know is what's around me. I'm from Detroit, but I went to high school in Georgia. So I've seen two different cultures. Which one is me? <laughs> you know, so I started to kind of pray and talk to God. And slowly but surely, I started to learn who I was in Christ. If you want to know who you are, you have to know who created you. And that's that's my honest to God answer. And once I started to learn who God has called me to be, not just as a servant, but also as a black man and also as a black man in America and a child of the, the Most High, I realized how beautifully I'm made. Once I realized how beautifully I'm made, I realized the error in my ways. Like I used to go outside. In Detroit, in my city, and everyone knows Detroit's not a great city. I didn't grow up in a great neighborhood, but I had a loving family, um, and I had a community around me, you know? 
But if I saw somebody I didn't know on the street, I'm walking past them with my guard up. And I'm thinking, I don't know who this N-word is. And then at some point I realized, I was like, why am I thinking that about somebody who looks like me? <laughs> what has been programmed in my mind to feel like I'm threatened in a place where people grew up like me and look like me? That's an issue here. Can I um can I interrupt you for a second? Absolutely. How do you think that started? Like, where do you think that was conceptualized in your mind? Television and music. Now, as much as I love hip hop, it definitely glorifies bad things. You know what I'm saying? It, it glorifies treating our women poorly. It glorifies all types of altercation and violence and stuff like that. Like growing up, these are the things. And you got to think about it. Right now, you know, I'm 28. I get to choose what kind of music I want to listen to. And there is hip hop that I still listen to. But I also listen to hip hop with different messages, with positive messages. But growing up, that's what you're hearing on the radio. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're hearing pop, lock and drop it on the radio and you're hearing whoop that trick that's <laughs> and it's playing right we after were all school. definitely popping locking and <laughs> exactly and it's playing right after school is out <laughs> you know so not only that and then for me waking up in the morning the first thing i saw was fox news and i'm hearing about there was a shooting here a body was found here this person killed this person here and i'm thinking every time they do that and then they jump right to black on black crime statistics which if we're being honest doesn't even exist it's just crime because i've never seen the news talk about asian on asian crime i've never seen talk about white on white cream crime indian on indian crime it's always just black on but the breakdown of our community continues exactly that means that the threat of us continues so that's just how amazing we need to remember we are exactly so that's where it started it started there and i'm looking at other black men like i don't know this person i don't know that person and it will put a sense of fear into my heart. And I'm like, at some point I was like, yo, why am I afraid of somebody who looks like me and probably grew up like me and probably has the exact same feel of oppression as me? Right. Once I started to really dive into that, I started to look at other black kings and brothers differently. Now, don't get me wrong. All skin folk definitely ain't your kin folk. But that don't mean you write them off the moment you see them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I started to look at black men differently and like come to the point where I would walk around and I would look at dudes and it would it would definitely throw some people off. But, you know, I look at them and I'll just smile, you know, give them a heads up, so, something like that. And some people will retaliate like, oh, what's up, bro? How you doing? And next thing you know, we see each other every time now. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, we cool. I don't know his name, but that's my boy. <laughs> and then it trickled into like... um. I would say my love life or what I'm attracted to. So I used to really be attracted to like um, Asian women and all different types of other women. And don't get me wrong, they are beautiful. But one thing I will tell you is the deeper I learned to love myself as a black man, the more I learned to truly appreciate and love black women. Like I've reached a point now because of that, because of like all that learning and self learning that I did about myself, to the point where I'm like, I can only see myself with a black man. <laughs> like, if the Lord has something for me, then that that's on him. But me personally, <laughs> I can only see myself with a black woman. And I learned to really enjoy and love my black queens. Because, again, I went back to the things that I would see. Like, things that I would see on television. Like, let's take it all the way back to, like, I don't know, 90s slash 2000 television. One of my favorite shows is Martin. And Martin, you have Martin, Gina, Pam, Tommy, and Cole. Yeah. <laughs> Gina's the beautiful princess. <laughs> Pam's the one who gets made. And that's not the only time you see that. You also saw it in House Party. Gina was in House Party as well. And she had a darker skinned friend who was more portrayed as like the slutty girl, you know, or the girl that didn't get the attention like that. You also saw it in Coming to America. If you ever seen Coming to America, the light skinned girl was where the love of his life and the dark skinned girl was the, a gold digger. <laughs> You know, and when I look back at all these things, I'm like, yo, why is it seems like the darker the girl, then the worse they get treated. And then I looked at myself and I'm like, well, I'm pretty dark. I'm if I stood up next to a wall, I would look like an alley. Like I'm pretty dark. And I learned to love my darkness. <laughs> you know, I learned to love exactly how my skin glows in the sunshine. And then I started to see other black women. And I'm like, yo, if I love how my skin glows in the sunshine, look at how their skin glows in the sunshine like if i think i look great then they look 10 times better like this must be what adam felt like when he saw eve for the first time like yo 
she's like a much better version of me over there, you know? <laughs> and once I looked at all these things and realized just how long Black women have been beaten down, not just by other people or other ethnicities, but by our own. To yeah. beat Black women down as well, I was like, yeah, no, nah, this narrative has to change and it's going to change in me, even in my family. Like, don't get me wrong, my family, we all love Black women, we all date Black women, but even there, there, there are some issues with the way people treat each other, you know? So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to find me a Black woman and I'm going to treat her the way that she needs to be treated. And it doesn't even have to be romantically. It can even start with my friendships. Like I have a lot of friends and a lot of them are Black women. And I tell them all the time, hey, if you're dating somebody and he's not treating you as good as I am, then you're not, you shouldn't be dating him. Because I even looking at you like a sister, I'm going to treat you the way you're supposed to be yeah, treated. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely goodness. That's that's beautiful. I just mellowed down, mellowed out with hearing you say that, <laughs> because it's just an equivalent. It's like a benchmark we can use, of if this is the love that you're expecting as a friend. This is what I'm showing with to you. This is what I'm telling you that you're capable of, and yet you have someone else that is not giving you half the energy, half the respect, half that love. It's also a measure of how we value ourselves because what are we going to expect? Or what are we going to allow to happen to us? And yeah, and I, I know, it's, I think that like you just mentioned, it, it is a great benchmark. It is a great way to start building and fueling that love within our communities, especially how men and black men and how black women relate to one another. As you mentioned, Stanford, I think it really, if we start with not even thinking about it in like a romantic way, but if we just start within ourselves and say, hey, I have this black colleague, I have all these friends, I have family members, let me start treating them with love. And that way, you know, they can start to embrace some of that and they can start to see the love that they should have within themselves. I think that's a great way that we can start um, transforming and outwardly expressing that love within our communities. And I think if we start with, everything always starts with us. And I think that if we start there, then we can continue to build and we can continue to be a great example for others as well to really start to look within themselves and, and loving on um, our, our, our black kings and queens as well. And speaking of building that future, like rooted in love too, you know, we also wanted to touch on like some stigmas between, you know, mental health and like healing within the black community, giving all this like programming and stigmas that we have. So like Stanford as a black king, like when you mentioned your journey of like loving yourself, like was, do you feel like you had to take a kind of a step back to heal some things within yourself to find that love? Or was it really just you kind of doing it on your own? And then, of course, you know, praying about it and talking to God about it. Well, for me, growing up, I started off being very um, started off in insecure because I felt like I never kind of really fit in, you know, especially throughout like middle school and high school. Um, I never any. Really, Going back when I realized I never really had any issues in high school, you know, like a lot of people actually liked me. I was just a cool person to know, but I wasn't like the trendy black kid, you know, it's almost like how some people are like, oh, when you're black, you're born with swag, you're born with this and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and we are. I'm not going to lie. We 100 percent. We're born with that extra sauce and that extra flavor. But sometimes you got to find it first. <laughs> so how do you go about finding that? Well, for me, I just had to learn how to be me. <laughs> like, I was always, in my opinion, and in others' opinion, one of a kind. Like, for anybody who knows me or anybody who's met me and or have any type of relationship with me, there's only one Stanford. You're not going to meet anybody else that's like me, I promise. Like, um, but I had to learn how to accept that because I used to look at that as a bad thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I used to look at the fact that I was odd as a bad, like, man, I need to fit in. I need to be more like this. I need to do that. Maybe I should try sagging my pants or maybe I should try listening to this kind of music or, you know, I don't drink or I don't smoke and I'm not going to, but maybe I could do something that makes me seem a little bit cooler. Like, and I had to learn to cut all that stuff out because at the end of the day, if God calls you to be different, then you're different for a reason. Yes. Dr. Seuss always said, you have to be odd to be number one. Um, So my healing was really like me just stepping back 
looking at every weird, intricate detail about me and looking in the mirror at first, because I used to not even like looking at myself, but I would look in the mirror and I would be like, that weird thing you do when you walk, that's really dope. I like that. That's your style. That's cool. Something as simple as that, you know what I'm saying? Or like, oh, the way you wear your clothes or the way you like to do this, that's really dope. And then the moment I started to believe it, other people started to say it. I used to walk around in like karate pants, I think. And I think some people didn't even know they were karate pants. They were just all black, like slick black pants. And I would style them and wear like a red shirt or red hoodie and wear like red and black shoes. And I remember I was like 18 when I first moved here. And this dude was like, hey, bro, you always have that on. Like those pants always go slick with whatever it is you're wearing. And he probably didn't even know, but that meant a lot to me because I was trying to prove to myself that I liked it <laughs> because I love martial arts. So I'm going to wear these pants, you know? So for me, it was less kind of stepping back, isolating myself and shutting out the voices inside my own head of doubt and insecure and having to revamp all those voices and listen to what God actually says about me. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know, you can definitely take it back to the Bible and hear all the things that God says you are. You are made in this image. You are made for A, B, C, and D. But when I looked at it like that, I started to realize, yo, my style is dope. The way I do this is dope. The way I do that is dope. And when I started to believe it, it's like I allowed God to plant that seed of growth and confidence in me. And then that seed <laughs> plants those seeds in other people when they see me and even when they see themselves to the point where nowadays when I walk around, if I see anything that's a little bit off or a little bit indifferent i love complimenting people i walk down the street and i'll see somebody with like some dope shoes i never seen before like hey bro those shoes are fire and you could just see their entire face light up mm -hmm. that that's kind of what it looked like for me i had to separate myself and honestly god kind of separated me because well i was out here by myself with my father but i had to separate myself and really find out what do i really like when it's just me and whatever it is that i like when it's just me like that do that and be that person around other people whether they accept it or not what do you like when it's just you can you be a little bit more specific in terms of your personality your laugh you said i want to like what i like when it's just me i want to be okay with that i want to be okay with me essentially right so it could be everything it could be general i love how energetic i am he used to drive people crazy um <laughs> Like I was a very hyperactive child. And then growing up, like throughout schools, that was kind of like looked down upon. Like, yo, you need to learn how to chill. Like if you don't chill, you're never going to get this or you're never going to get that. Like the cool people are all relaxed and yada, yada, yada. So I learned how to like being energetic. I learned how to like being spontaneous. Actually, me being energetic and spontaneous has made me one of the best date planners ever because I'll pick five things for us to do throughout the day and then we're <laughs> all going to enjoy them. <laughs> so I imagine a lot of that has kind of dispelled your, as you've come to love yourself and understand yourself, have gotten rid of insecurities that you've had or do you still feel so insecure in any way right now? Nobody's perfect. Full body perfect. So I um, definitely have some insecurities still in there. And a lot of them has to do with my calling because like Ashley mentioned, I'm a fighter, I'm a kickboxer, and that is my passion. And when you're passionate about something in the arts category, it's usually not too lucrative <laughs> when at certain times. So sometimes my insecurity surrounds that because at the end of the day i'm called to be a provider and a husband and a father and life would be so much easier if i was to say i don't know pursue a career in aerospace or pursue a career where there's going to be a lot of money involved because i would be easily providing for my family but i'm not called to do that so sometimes my insecurities lie there you know but outside of that i the tiny insecurities that i used to have are mostly gone. Like, I love my style. I love the way I look. I love my hair. I love my skin. I love the way I talk. I love the way I listen. I love the little things. The things about insecurities and the things about, I would say, hate, for lack of better terms, that are produced in Black men and in Black women always starts with the little things. It's the small things that I really have to turn around. The big things don't necessarily too much have anything to do with me. Like, 
you know, being lucrative and stuff like that. I serve a God that provides for birds, so I know he'll provide for me. But if I have an issue with the way I speak, then how can I speak out on his name? Mm -hmm. Hi, that was a testimony. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Yes. So as as you learn to love every single part of you, you know, Stanford, what would you what is your message to our black kings out here that are struggling with self-identity, that are struggling with self-love, that are struggling with, you know, their mental health and healing and just don't know where to start when it comes to loving themselves, where would you say is a good starting point? I would say a good starting point, in my opinion, the best starting point is always learning more about Jesus, learning more about God, learning more about the Holy Spirit, because he created you. He called you into this life. He knitted you in your mother's womb. So if you really want to know who you are, get to know him and he'll tell you exactly who you are. There is no other mirror in this world that will provide truth like the mirror that he has for you. And the beautiful thing is that mirror is going to be located in his eyes. So the more you look at him, the more you're going to learn about yourself. That's, that's number one. Um, number two, you're dope. Every All the Black Kings out there, you are 100% dope. Everything that you've ever been made fun of, you were only made fun of it because they don't understand it. And if they don't understand it, it's because they can't do it. So just realize that, number one, that's number two. You are dope in everything that you do. Whatever it is that you do that's a little awkward, do it that way. Rock it that way. I have like... A million stories. One of my favorite examples of that is Muhammad Ali. Um, for any boxing fans that are chiming in, anybody who knows boxing knows Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time. But mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali broke every rule of boxing in his fights. He fought with his hands down, which you're not supposed to do. He leaned back, which you're not supposed to do. He would swing and dance on the outside towards people's power hands, which you're not supposed to do. But he did it in a dope way because that was him and he couldn't do it no other way. And because of that, he became the greatest fighter in the world, you know. So all those tiny little things that make you you, those are the things that make you the black king that you are. Don't get rid of them. You need those. You're going to need those tools. Those tools are where they're going to allow you to stand out and what's going to allow God to use you in that different way. Because if you look like everybody else, then you look like everybody else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How are you? The blessings that God has for you, they're specifically for you. I would hate for you to reach your blessing and your blessing don't recognize you because you're trying to look like the person that's next to you. So, yeah, that's that's my ultimate message, man. Love God. Love yourself. Get to know who Jesus is. You'll get to know yourself. And day by day, chip away at those little insecurities so that you can be 100% you. And then what is your message out to our Black queens out here and how... As a black king, as you start to learn to love yourself, how can what is your message out there to as a way for black queen, kings to uplift our black king, queens? <laughs> First off and foremost, black queens, in case you you are are wondering, there are kings out here that are praying for their wives. You heard it from him, y'all. <laughs> we out here, okay? We out here. <laughs> he said we out we here. Out here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there are Christ loving kings praying for their Christ loving wives, because if we going through something, then I know y'all are, too. <laughs> um, and please, look, I understand women as as much as I can understand from a man's perspective that the load you guys carry and the burdens you guys carry, they're very heavy. But please don't get weary and well doing because you are going to meet that king that will carry that burden for you. Remember, you're only carrying your burden for a little bit. Once once you guys say the I do's, that was on him. That's number one. Number two, all the black queens that are super strong and you guys feel like because you're super strong and you have all these amazing things that you bring to the table, do not lower that. Don't ever lower that because I know there are a lot of black queens out here that just get approached by a whole lot of busters. And they're like, maybe I need to change what I'm looking for. Nah, you don't, you don't, because in my opinion, the way the enemy works is he's going to send you a whole lot of imposters <laughs> to emulate the person that you yeah. really want to be with. And if you change anything about you, one of those imposters is going to get through, <laughs> you know, so be as strong and as willing as you are, because it's going to take a stronger man to carry you. That's number two. Number three, this is something I've said to my dear friend Ashley before, if 
And this is kind of going going out to my black kings and my black queens. If that woman don't scare you, then you're not supposed to be with her. Ooh. Okay. What do you mean by scare? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean it by this. There is not, a, in my opinion, there is no black man or no king in this world, no Christ-loving king in this world that has set his eyes on a beautiful woman and looked at her and talked to her and then went home later that night and thought, yeah, where I'm at in life right now, I'm perfectly suited to be with that person. They will never think that. That woman has to challenge you in every way. You have to go home and think, all right, let me clean my room. Oh, goodness. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. Why do you think that that is necessary? What, what do you think it is? Where, where's that perspective coming from? In my opinion, that perspective is coming from a point where it's like any woman that I've ever been attracted to, I've looked at them and not necessarily looked up to them, but I've realized they're on a pedestal or they're on a foundation. And in order for me to get their trust, to stand on my, my foundation, I have to build up the rocks that I'm standing on. If I don't, if I'm not willing to build up the rocks that I'm standing on so that we both can stand on a firm foundation together, then I'm not worth that person. That's the way I look at it. And I don't know, it's like, it's something about a woman that scares you. Because if a woman scares you, ultimately, that means you're not where you want to be. And that's okay. But because you feel this type of way about this person, knowing who she is and God is not going to do anything but make you better. You know, it's kind of like recently I watched Think Like a Man, the guy who was dating Gabrielle Union. All she wanted him to do was go for a higher position at work that she knew he was overqualified for so they could make more money. And he acted like he sent his resume in, which makes no sense. If she's pushing you to be better, not just for both of you, but for ultimately you, why wouldn't you accept that? Why is that not somebody you want in your life? And not only that, it's someone who did it in a loving way. If you have a woman in your life that's like, babe, I love you. I'm here for you. I know you're doing everything you can, but I have an idea to where I actually think, even though you may think you're only worth this, I think you can actually elevate yourself here. And even if I'm not in the picture, you will still be elevated there. If I am in a picture, we'll be elevated together. What else would a man ask for? How do you then break that down, um, Stan? Because from a guy perspective, I could see that being pride, stigma. He doesn't want to be told what to do. He doesn't want to feel like his woman is seeing a vision that's stronger than his vision. And he's the man of the house. Then how do all men galvanize their own selves and say well i am definitely doing this and i know i did not come up with the idea it's not my vision but you as my woman you as my queen i'm going to respect and accept that and listen to you how do they challenge their own selves to do that because i think that's the issue pride is definitely a huge issue pride is the original sin that got satan kicked out of heaven you know so mm -hmm. pride is number one that that manly pride that has to go away. Um, and it's sometimes it's also fear that they won't make it. Yeah. Fear that they're not good enough to do that or fear that the person may leave them. And if we're talking about, let's just say we're talking about dating, um, then pride and fear are probably at the main forefront. But if we're talking about marriage, like this is a conversation that's happened between a husband and wife, then it could be the husband just has not submitted himself to the wife as the wife has submitted himself to the, her herself to the husband because it works both ways. You know, in my opinion, when I hear that that verse about wives submit to your husbands and husbands submit to your wives, I'm seeing, woman, you are a leader. Awesome. I need you to allow that man to lead you. We know you can do it by yourself because you got yourself here this far. <laughs> but now you know someone who's strong enough to lead you. Allow them to lead you. That's that's the submission part in my pan. And then it also goes the other way, man, allow this woman to be your safe space and listen to her as well. Because as a man, that's all we really want. Like we got to go out in the world and be black in America. Okay. I don't yeah. want to have my guard up when I come home. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. You want to have that support in here, that vulnerable love. Exactly. I want to be able to come home and not have to be Stanford, like the Stanford that I am outside. I want to have to come home and just relax, like, and like fall asleep and just be safe. Yeah, that's safety works both ways. The woman knows she's protected when I'm in the house and I know that I'm safe to chill when I'm in the house with her, you know? It has something to do with fear and pride and that 
toxic masculinity if I need to get it on my own. No, you don't, actually. That's kind of why Eve was created. That was literally written in the Bible. Men are not supposed to be alone. <laughs> so you're not supposed to have every idea by yourself. You guys are partners. If you chose this person to be your partner and you're not listening to her, it's ultimately disrespecting her and you're saying you don't need her. Realistically, that's what's actually happening. You hit so many wonderful like points and spot on. Like, I think as we continue to heal as we continue to as you mentioned stanford really look to god and and understanding who we are and in his image and his likeness and and everything then we can really start to not only love ourselves but also treat others with respect treat our women with respect treat our men with respect um and i love the message out there to our black kings and queens like this is amazing and as Stanford said, there are many more others like him out there, y'all. <laughs> um, so uh, just the more you continue to learn to love on yourself, the more I think that you will also attract others, other people that also emulate that as well. So we want to end on such a lovely note. But before we officially like wrap things up, you know, we want to... Stanford, we always ask our audience, you know, how will you be soothing her this week? And so we would love to ask you, how will you be soothing him this week? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I didn't think about that at all. That's okay. Just... You have some time. Mm -hmm. I guess this week, what I'm really going to do is I'm just going to actually take some time to really work on some self-care. Mm -hmm. um and you guys can't see our faces right now but ashley is cheesing so hard because oh she preaches self-care so much to me. <laughs> i do <laughs> so this week i'm going to focus on actually getting sleep you know doing my laundry <laughs> just the simple things that kind of just make the day feel like it's a lot more enjoyable because i'm usually rushing and doing this and doing that i'm adhd and all over the place and trying to have ducks in a row and look for the next best thing. So this week, I'm just going to learn how to breathe and relax. Simple and easy. Mm -hmm. I am going to take a little bit of focus from what um, Sanford said earlier about looking at yourself, understanding your quirks and your oddity and liking them. I do have insecurities and I count them. I'm aware of them, but... I have not looked at them in the way that I can love them. And I would like to at least do that so that I'm becoming more comfortable. Yes, I know that when we, like I will say, oh, my, my toes are fat. My toes are short and fat like that. I put it all there so that somebody else doesn't embarrass me about my insecurity. So sometimes it's all we are shielding ourselves and masking our insecurity so that others know that you cannot make me feel worse about this because I'm aware of it and i'm okay with it but are we really okay with it we're not in many ways so finding the mental language to allow myself to love those insecurities and when they come up in my head have have a speech ready for it to let those insecurities know that you are ultimately part of this great big amazing human being and there is a little thing and it's it's a flaw you think it's taking away all that is you and all that is beautiful you but is that beautiful imperfection that is also making you unique so just kind of having a conversation an internal dialogue ready for myself to just remind myself that we are beautifully imperfect and and that is okay that is okay to embrace those insecurities and if i see i'm walking weird then as stanford said earlier Hey, that's Chanel's walk. And I do want to add into there. If I see someone out there, I usually say it in my head. Or I usually, if I'm with um, someone, I will whisper to them and say, oh my goodness, look at that beautiful girl. Or look at this or look at that. But what if I were to say to that person, let her know that, Queen, your hair is awesome. That afro you're rocking, or that color of your shirt, or this or that. Let other people know that the uniqueness that they're trying to portray is also being seen by us too. So I want to have the confidence and the voice to compliment some random strangers over the next few days. I love that too. <laughs> um, 
So how I'll be soothing her this week as well is really taking, again, Stanford, man, you just had on so many good things. So I'm definitely going to be emulating that this week too. But just more so the point of, you know, just starting within yourself, really taking a look in the mirror, appreciating those quirks, appreciating those insecurities as well, and saying like, you know, hey, that that's your walk, that's your style, that you that's how you like to wear your clothes, that's how you like to do your makeup, that's how you like to wear your hair, that's how you like to, you know, do whatever. These are the foods that you like. This is how you this is just your vibe. So embrace it because I know I mentioned it on the other our other episode I love this I don't know how I came up with it but I was just like you know the world just needs you to be you because in that way you can be you can bring more people into alignment with your purpose with your calling and if you're trying so hard to be like everyone else then you know are you truly walking in your purpose are you truly walking in that on your pathway so just really embracing that this week is how I'll be soothing her. And also, again, really taking time to just reflect on that community building, exemplifying that love to others, and just continuing to remember to always like uplift our black kings and queens because we all deserve love. We all deserve respect. We all deserve to be told how amazing and beautifully and beautiful that we are and not to let you know, the stigmas of our past, of our culture, of our history really get us down into and not to be continue to play a part in that separation and the things that are keeping us apart and really be a part of that message to bring continue to bring us together. So that's how I'll be soothing her. So thank you so much, Stanford, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was an amazing time. We I really enjoyed your energy, the messages that you have. I really hope that this encourages both our Black Kings to really know how amazing you are, how beautiful you are, and we love you. We love our Black Queens as well. Continue to emulate that love and continue to love on yourself as we're still in the month of February. We're still in the month of love and Black history, so we just want to continue to show everyone and encourage everyone to just reflect on their own connections and to love relationships between you know men and women continue to be a part of that change so that we can always continue to heal and support each other so thank you so much everyone for tuning in and we are looking forward to catching you all next week on our episode please follow us on instagram listen to us on spotify just so you know spotify is free you can download it for free you don't need to pay for premium or anything to listen to our podcast so please soothingh.e.r follow us on instagram follow us on twitter send us a message we want to hear from you how are you loving on yourselves during this month and in general how are you spreading that love and how are you uplifting uh, our, our community as well so thank you all again